Here's the biblical encouragement ahead of us today on Abounding Grace. You ever feel condemned as a Christian? It's a silly question, isn't it? We've all faced it one time or another, condemnation. Sometimes other people try to condemn us. Sometimes we bring it upon ourselves, but condemnation is a reality. It's so much a reality that God, he reserves a time in his scriptures to say and to remind and to teach there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. None, zero, none at all. There is no condemnation to those of you that are in Christ Jesus. This is amazing grace. This is Listening friend, are you living under the weight of condemnation? Maybe you're feeling a certain heaviness as you think back on all your failures in life, or you're experiencing the burden of trying to please God by your own efforts. That's where a lot of people are at today, but there is a better way. Today on Abounding Grace, we discover that if you're in Christ, you're no longer condemned, but loved. And God has supplied all the power we need to live the Christian life through His Spirit. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor to draw our attention to that as we open Romans chapter 8. I draw your attention to the beginning there. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There is no condemnation. Just the word, just the word condemnation sounds so heavy. It sounds so burdensome to be condemned, to be under condemnation. It doesn't even sound good. When we think of condemnation in the real world, we think of, well, houses are condemned, aren't they? And a condemned house isn't going to last for very long, is it? It's condemned because it will be torn down and replaced. We think in the real world, we'll think of criminals. Criminals are condemned to life sentences or even to death sentences because of their crimes. And it's a heavy word. For those of you that are jotting down notes, the word condemned in the original language literally means a decision against someone. That there's been a decision made against you or a judgment made against you. Webster's Dictionary defines condemnation as to declare reprehensible. I mean, that's heavy. To declare wrong or evil. To judge. To pronounce guilty. To give a sentence. To pronounce or to doom condemnation. You ever feel condemned as a Christian? It's a silly question, isn't it? We've all faced it one time or another, condemnation. Sometimes other people try to condemn us. Sometimes we bring it upon ourselves, but condemnation is a reality. It's so much a reality that God, he reserves a time in his scriptures to say and to remind and to teach there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. None, zero, none at all. There is no condemnation to those of you that are in Christ Jesus. You ever feel like a decision was made against you? A judgment came to you? You ever have someone declare you to be guilty or accuse you of being guilty? And lest our memories not be fresh, let me refresh your memory. Remember? Remember the last time you were heading down the road, minding your own business, on your way to an appointment, and you saw them? Yes, you saw those flashing lights in your mirror. 
And you're like, oh, I'm glad they got the guy in front of me. And it wasn't the guy in front of you, was it? It was you. Those lights were flashing for you. And they were flashing so much so that they had to get on the PA system and say, please pull over. I'm like, oh, man. So you quickly look to your speedometer to see some kind of relief, but then your speedometer gets a voice and it says, you were speeding. Pull over. And your mind starts to race because it's only a matter of time before the officer comes to the window. Well, he does come to the window, doesn't he? He says, sir, can I see your driver's license and registration? And then you begin to fumble. Oh, my driver's license and registration. Where's my insurance? Oh, my insurance. Oh, my insurance. And you can start to think, can't you, of that extra check you're going to need to write because of what this is going to do to your insurance. And you feel... Well, you feel like you're a kid sitting in the principal's office, don't you? Sometimes you're in the principal's office, you don't even know why you're there, but you know the principal's office, you're in trouble. And you're condemned. It's only a matter of time before the ticket comes. The request to show up to court comes. And as the officer takes your information, goes back to his vehicle, comes back to your vehicle, well, you start to smile when you hear the officer say, ma'am, Sir, I'm just going to give you a warning this time. Yeah! woo Warning! Yes! And you begin to think of the relief that comes of you pulling away from the curb without a ticket. You were busted. You were speeding. You deserve that ticket. In your mind, it was already written. It was already signed. It was already paid for. You could already see the consequences that would come far in advance. But the officer, the officer comes back and says, you know, this is a busy street. And we've had a lot of complaints. And there's kids running around here back and forth. And, and you just got to be careful. We don't want a serious situation happening. So slow down and remember the kids and go your way from condemnation to relief in a matter of minutes. I have found over and over again that I've met Christian after Christian after Christian that lives the same way. They go from condemnation to relief, condemnation to relief, and it's back and forth, up and down. Oh, how bad I am, but oh, how good you are, Jesus. Oh, what, look what I've done, but oh, Jesus, you're so good. And listen, you weren't made to live that way. No, you've been released from that vicious cycle. Why? Because there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. He, God, our precious Savior, wants us to live with that sense of relief times 10 billion that your sins have been forgiven today, that your sins are not held against you today. Oh, I know people might be holding them against you, but not God. Oh, I know your memory might be bringing them back, but not God. Oh, I know how the consequence that you're facing today kind of takes you back a few years, takes you back a few months, takes you back to a time when you greatly fail, but it's not God taking you there. Because in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation, only relief. I mean, when you listen to Romans chapter 8, verse 1, well, we actually need to hear it in contrast to Romans chapter 7. So would you go back to verse 14 with me? Remember, we are studying through the scriptures, and so... A few weeks ago, we studied this section of Scripture in depth. I'd encourage you to pick up the CD or download the MP3 and listen to it and allow its truths to sink in as we learn that Paul himself wrestled with the flesh. Chapter 7, verse 14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, 
sold under sin. Those are heavy words. Remember, we learned that living in carnality doesn't just mean living for the flesh. Like, oh, I'm going to go out and party. I'm going to get drunk. You know, a lot of people equate that. That's a carnal person. But I, I also taught you, and we've also learned from Scripture, that living in carnality, knowing that we're a carnal, isn't just living for your flesh. It's also living in your flesh. Trying to accomplish in your life only what God can do through His Spirit. Trying to be the good Christian when God wants to dwell in you by His Spirit and live through you. Trying to do the right thing. Translating Bible studies always into action, always into action when there are times when God will share a study with us to translate into repentance and humility and that sense of relief. I'm forgiven. It's not held against me. My God, He loves me. He sent His only Son for me, not just to pull me out of the pit, but to live in me and through me in the entirety of my life. He says, the law is spiritual, and we've learned that. The law is good. The Word of God is great. The problem is me. It's not God's Word. It's me. I'm the problem. I'm the one that wrestles. I wrestle with three enemies, don't I? I wrestle with this world system. I wrestle at times with the devil in the demonic realm. But I'll tell you what we wrestle with the most. Our flesh. Those old sinful habits that we tend, instead of laying on the altar of repentance, we tend to excuse that behavior, to sidestep it, to reason our way out of it. And although the Bible declares very matter-of-factly that we are justified in Jesus Christ, we are declared innocent and righteous, we're much better at believing that we can justify everything in our lives, that wrestling with the flesh. And this is what it looks like, verse 15. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it's good. But now it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I almost hear some anguish in his voice. We miss that when we read the scriptures of what the tone was, what the feeling was in Paul. And I, I read through chapter 7 in my own life and I feel anguish. There's a pain in my very gut when I start thinking about my own wrestlings. When I start thinking about the things I'm doing I want to do, the things I don't want to do, that's what I'm doing. And he says in verse 18, I know that in me that is in my flesh nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. Verse 19, for the good that I will to do I do not do, but the evil I will not to do that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me and the one who wills to do good. For I delight, verse 22, in the law of God according to the inward man. I love God's word. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. And what was his conclusion in verse 24? Oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, wretched man that I am. The battle gets so heavy. The spiritual war so difficult. It's easy just to get so sick and tired of fighting. And in that tiredness, or what the Bible calls that weariness, there's a tendency to say, you know, forget this. I'm done. Uh, the world was, seemed to be a lot easier. That's a lie. Oh, I had so much more fun in the world. That's a lie. Oh, I'll never have any more struggles if I just leave Jesus behind and go back into the world. Listen, if that's what you're going through, you're wrestling right now, what decision to make? Please, friend, choose righteousness. Choose Jesus today. Choose him in all the strength that's left in you. All the strength that you can muster up, use it to lay your life down before him as a living sacrifice. 
If you haven't learned this lesson yet, you need to hear it again. This world has nothing for you. Do you know that? Nothing. Zero. This world's going to eat you up and spit you out and not care about it. Sin so deceiving, so enticing will always lead to death. Always. And Paul here is like, what a wretched man that I am. You get to the place where it feels so heavy. You get to the place where you're so overwhelmed. You get to the place where, well, when you're wrestling in the flesh and you're having this battle, well, what happens is you fail. You fail. We fail as Christians. It's a truth. I know we like to measure our failures by other people's failures, and we might say, well, I didn't fail as bad as that, or I didn't do as bad as that. But listen, failure leads to the same thing, guilt and shame. There's always a tremendous amount of guilt and shame with every failure. Because we weren't made to live in sin. We weren't made to fall down. We weren't made in that place to be in communion with the Lord and still fail. And there's that sense, that heaviness of guilt and shame, which quickly turns into a heaviness of condemnation. To be declared and judged. To have a sentence against us. But notice in verse 1 of chapter 8, it says that there's something special to a very unique group of people. He says, there's therefore now no condemnation to who? Those who are in Christ Jesus. That's a special relationship that's available to every man, woman, and child that will place their faith in Jesus Christ. The person that's in Christ, there is no condemnation. Your past sins are forgiven, washed, cleansed. We read it in the psalm, didn't we, Psalm 103? As far as the east is from the west. East is right out here. So if we took a journey out east and we went into the desolation of the east out here, Watkins, Bennett, <laughs> Kansas, and we just walked east. You know, we would walk and we would walk. Guys in Watkins and Bennett, I love you, okay? If we were to walk, I do east because if we walked west, if we did that way, we said, let's go west, we'd have to go over the mountains. Let's just go east, okay? East is flatlands. We go all the way to the east, and we walk, and we walk, and we walk. Do you know what's going to happen? You will never come to a time when you're heading west. You'll always be going east. As far as the east is from the west, you just keep walking, and keep walking, and keep walking, and keep walking, and you will never end up at a place where you are heading west unless you look backwards. And thus the source of condemnation is looking backwards and allowing what's in the past to become what's in the present. The Bible says that your sins have been forgiven. Your past sins, your present sins, even your future sins. Salvation is a whole package, guys. He takes, God does, all of you as you are, just as you are, Man, I am so glad God doesn't come to us and says, you know, Ed, Ed, I'll take you, Ed, except we've got to do something with 1985, man. You know, I'll take you, but not 1985. I'm leaving that to the side. I can't have you with 1985. I can't have that one week in 1972. Can't do it. I can't take you. Sorry. That's not our God. He says, Ed, I'll take you 1972, 1986. I'll take you today. I'll take you yesterday. I'll take you tomorrow. I'll take you forever by faith in Jesus Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. 
in Christ. See, God, he's outside of time. He doesn't look at time like you and I do, past, present, and future. He takes us the whole package today and forgives us the whole package today by faith. We like to think of years, and we like to think of months, and we like to think of actions, but the Bible says there's no condemnation. Everything is now to God. Too many Christians, so many believers are living under this sense of condemnation to those that are in Christ. Those of you that are in Christ, you still deal with condemnation. And if you have a pen in hand, I want you to jot down a few things. I want to give you some signs of the person that lives under condemnation. For some of you, this is going to be confirmation that it's time to leave that condemning life behind. But for some of you, you're going to learn something for the first time today. You go, oh my, that's me. I didn't even know where that was coming from. And you'll find these are some of the symptoms. They're certainly not all of the symptoms or all of the signs where condemnation comes from. But if you'd like to jot them down, here are some signs, some symptoms to look out for in our Christian life. Number one, a person that deals constantly with condemnation, you always feel guilty. Always. You always feel guilty. Whether or not you've even done anything wrong, you feel guilty about it. You're always feeling guilty. It might have been conditioned in you where there's this heaviness in the way you were raised or heaviness in school and you're always on the other side of conduct. Now you've picked it up yourself and now you're guilty even if you didn't do anything wrong. And it gets heavier and it gets heavier and it gets heavier and it seems to never go away. That's a sign of living in condemnation. Always guilty. Even when you haven't done anything, you still feel guilty. Number two, another sign that condemnation's taken root in your life is that you are motivated by guilt. It moves you, guilt does. Guilt trips. I mean, you're listening to the bulletin, you're hearing all these opportunities, and instead of being excited, I want to take a step of faith, that'd be great to get involved in, you have a different attitude. You go, oh, I'm not doing anything right now. I better jump into something. I've got to get active. I don't think God's happy with me. I mean, they're going to find out. I don't do anything here. And then what am I going to do then? And, and you're just like, oh, I got to do something. I got to do something because you feel guilty. Hey, the bulletin announcements aren't designed to make you feel guilty. They just want to give you an opportunity to step out in faith, guys, to put feet to your faith. Start serving the Lord, enjoying his presence. When someone lays a guilt trip on you, you spring into action. And even if someone doesn't lay a heavy trip on you, it gets turned to a guilt thing in your own heart. And that's what motivates you. Number three, okay, don't throw anything at me for this one, okay? Just keep your Bibles in your lap. But if you're dealing with condemnation, I'll give you a sign of it. You're a people pleaser. Hmm. You're a people pleaser. You care about what people think about you. And that's what moves you. When you're doing good, you expect people to tell you so. When you've done something great, you want someone to thank you. And when you don't get it, you become very upset. Or you're always wanting to be accepted and appreciated. That's what gels you. That's what moves you. And when someone accepts you, appreciates you, boy, it's exciting. But then when the appreciation doesn't come, the little thank you card doesn't show up in the mail, someone forgets to tell you thank you, you start beating yourself up, and then you start saying, I'm not going to do anything for anyone. And then that starts a whole vicious cycle of being beat up and condemned by the enemy because of what a nasty attitude that is, people-pleasing. You really care what people think about you. And your whole life is designed to make people think something about you that's not really true. Condemnation. Number four, another sign that condemnation's taken root is that you feel like God is mad at you all the time. Oh, God must not like me now, and he's ready to beat me up here, and he wants me to do this there, and the mistakes that you've made are always plaguing you when you sit down to read your Bible or pray. 
When you're making a decision to gather together with the saints, you're in a place where, well, hey, maybe, just maybe, not only do you feel like God is mad at you, but you're mad at God. And now condemnation has actually turned into pride. And it's devastating, isn't it? The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But the enemy playing us like a ping pong ball, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. No fruit from our lives. It's horrible. You feel like God's mad at you all the time. You may, you may just have this constant sense that not only is God mad at you, you're mad at God, everybody's mad at you. It's just one big mad thing around you. Condemnation. Number five, you never feel like you've done enough. I mean, you could study and serve and pray for hundreds and hundreds of hours, but all you can remember is the one hour you didn't. It's like, man, I have served and I've helped, and, and man, I, I, I just can't make it, I can't make it, and it bums you out, but you were sick, you had the flu, you couldn't get up, you couldn't help, it had nothing to do with you, but all you can think about is what you haven't done, condemnation. You could have an all-night prayer meeting and be upset and leave wondering if you should have done more condemnation. Number six, this is really common with condemnation. It'll be the focus of our time next time we come together and study Romans chapter eight. But listen, here's a sign that you live in condemnation or you're laying a condemnation guilt trip on someone else. You're always living in the past. And I'm not talking about the good past. I'm talking about the bad past. It's not all the good things we've done together. It's not all the good that's been in our life. It's not all the faithfulness of God. No, what happens in condemnation is that all we remember is the failure. And that's how we identify ourselves. Now we're a failure. We failed here. It could be 20 years, and it's just as real today as it was 20 years ago, because condemnation has taken root in your life. Pastor Ed Taylor with some of the signs to look out for that reveal we're living under condemnation. And we'll save the rest of this message for tomorrow. You can hear it again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or catch a replay through our app. Search for Calvary Aurora. Pastor Ed, we focused on just one verse today and through the end of the week, and that is Romans 8.1. There is no condemnation for those in Christ. And as you pointed out today, sometimes we bring it upon ourselves and sometimes we face condemnation from others. The next time someone condemns us, how should we handle that? Well, you know, Larry, that, that's so true that condemnation comes from a couple of different sources. First of all, it comes from ourselves as we look backwards uh, and how careful we need to be not to focus on the past, but to live in the moment because there's nothing we can do to change the past. And there's nothing we can do. Every single one of us, when we look back, knowing what we know now, we would have done things differently, but we didn't. And so we find ourselves in a place of uh, battling back regret by abiding in Christ and trusting in Him. Now, when it comes to others, the other source uh, where there's condemnation and there's a lack of forgiveness, abiding in Christ, resting in His peace, remembering His love and forgiveness is one of the best responses. Trying to defend yourself, trying to explain yourself, trying to make a point, trying to beg and plead with someone to stop it are not effective tools. And I know they're common tools, but they're not effective. It doesn't work. We can resist the condemnation of others, Larry, by resisting it. It's not coming from the Lord. Jesus did not come to condemn. So you know when condemnation is on the lips of someone else, 
It's on the lips of someone that wants to discourage you or maybe even in the in the name of help. Like they say they want to help you. They're really not, but they say they're wanting to help you. Um, resist it. Reject it. Don't receive it. And more importantly, don't believe it. It's not true. Stay close to Jesus. His forgiveness, His grace has covered our sins. Remove them as far as the east is from the west. Love covers a multitude of sins. And as we abide in love, we're able to be strengthened for today, careful not to make the same sinful mistakes again. That's very helpful. Thanks, Pastor Ed. Well, as you know, Valentine's Day falls within the month of February. And with that in mind, we thought we'd recommend a book that can be of some help to our single listeners in particular. It's called A Love Letter Life and written by Jeremy and Audrey Roloff. They write, if you can fall into love, you can fall out. True love is something you choose to live out each day through your actions, decisions, and sacrifices. That's just a taste of what you'll receive in A Love Letter Life. Learn how to date intentionally, pursue creatively, and love faithfully. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. We'll return to Romans next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.